Welcome to the Taking Back Football podcast. I'm Tyler Bloom, owner of Taking Back Football. On this episode, you'll hear a presentation about youth football from Scott Heitland, head coach at Dallas Center Grimes High School. The presentation was part of the Southeast Iowa Football Coaches Clinic in Moravia, Iowa on May 4th. Coach Heitland sits on the board for the Iowa High School Football Coaches Association and heads up the board's youth football committee. He also represented the state of Iowa and presented at the USA Football National Conference. Additionally, Coach Heitland and some of his colleagues in Central Iowa have taken a leading role in changing how their communities do youth football. But they're not stopping there. They've taken on the responsibility of sharing their models and viewpoints with high school coaches and youth organizers across the state in an effort to encourage them to reevaluate their youth football models within the changing landscape this sport is experiencing. Coach Heitland's philosophies align with the Taking Back Football missions, and I greatly value his insight and willingness to be a resource on this subject. I'm certain you'll find this presentation to be thought-provoking and hope it inspires you to be a difference maker in your community. Enjoy. schedule today and you're like okay I can go to all these different things when the hell am I going to listen to a guy talk about youth football for but I will tell you that I think one of the reasons why it's good that you came in here today is as I've titled this thing changing the game I think we have a unique opportunity and a responsibility right now as football coaches to start changing the game and too often we sit back and you know if, if I grew up I played high school football for my dad okay he coached for over 30 years and and so, you know, follow the game for a long time. And probably the one thing about football coaches is we're stubborn. Um, we like things that once we find out that they work, we tend to do them over and over and over again because, you know, it's proven to be successful. And I think, unfortunately, that's what, we, what we've allowed youth football to be, is something that is just kind of uh, runs the way it runs because that's the way it's, it's been done for a lot of years. And to be very honest with you, depending on where you're at in your community, you may or may not have a lot of input as far as how your youth program operates. And so... One of the first questions I got asked all the time when I, after I got hired in my first head job was, you know, what do you think your role is going to be within youth football? Well, uh, at the time, I didn't have any kids. Uh, my oldest is a fourth grader right now, and my youngest is uh, four years old. And so it took a number of years for me to get comfortable answering that question to people because, you know, I, I didn't have any experience with it. I didn't have anything to gauge it off of. But little by little, as I started kind of following, getting a little more involved, I realized that you know the, this whole youth football format and, and the setup was different than a lot of other sports. And especially within the last two to three years, and, and I'll show you a slide here in a second, that really, as I was sitting in the, the clinic session, when this slide was presented to me, it was just like that light went off. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what, what are we doing here? And, you know, and, and we see all these different numbers coming out, and I'll go through some of that. But, you know, I have a quote up here in this first thing that, that I heard just within the last probably four or five months says, tradition is the killer of innovation. And I think sometimes that's something that we have to, to keep in mind is that, you know, you're going to go, if you go back home and have this conversation, we've talked to a lot of people that have, and it hasn't gone well in some communities. It's been really well uh, accepted in others. But the biggest reason why people don't want to look at changing anything, this isn't the way we do it. 
this isn't how we do things, or this isn't how we've done things in the past. And so, you know, I heard this quote, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, that's, it's so completely true, especially when we talk about this youth football stuff. So the number one question that, that uh, and this would have been probably three years ago that I sat down and just kind of started thinking about and contemplating was, you know, the, the number one question is, was, why would I do this? What are the reasons behind a move like this? Because you can't walk into your youth board or you can't go talk to other head coaches around the area and say, hey, I think we should do this. Well, why? Well, I think it'd be really fun. That's not a good enough reason. You had to really stop and, and ask yourself, why are we doing this? What are the reasons behind this? And this probably shows it better than anything. And, and, and I'm not showing you guys any numbers right here that you probably either haven't seen or haven't heard on your own. You know, but this is just talking a little bit about participation rates. And when you look across the board at the way that participation is, is taking place, and especially for those of us sitting here that work with high school programs, the number one concern I have as a high school football coach is, where are all my dudes? Because I, I teach and, and work in a high school that has 650 kids in it every day. And we were just talking about this on the way down. We have the same number of kids playing high school football today that we did probably eight years ago. But we've got another 250 students in school than we had compared to eight years ago. Where are the dudes at? Why are they not playing football? And one of the reasons is because of these falling participation rates. And it's across the board the same thing. You know, these are, it, it focuses on these sports here, but it's the same thing for other sports in, in other schools in different places all throughout the country. So this was my aha moment. And, and I joke, and, but yet I feel a little bit serious. You guys have all, uh, you're old, some of you old enough seen Jerry Maguire, right? Seen Jerry Maguire. You know when Jerry puts out his manifesto and you know he sets and he feels real good about it and everybody turns on him? That's kind of, this is why I feel like it's my Jerry Maguire moment when I stand up in front of people and talk a little bit about, you know, basically calling us out saying that, you know, as football coaches, we've been, we need to change some of this stuff. We've been maybe doing it wrong a little bit. I'm waiting for everybody to start throwing things and turning on me. But, you know, I was sitting at a conference listening to Andy Ryland from USA Football Talk, and he put this up there. He says, what do these two guys have in common? This would be the audience participation part. What do they got? Tyler, what do these two guys got in common? If you know my answer, you can't, you <laughs> yeah, can't leave. Say, yeah, I think I know <laughs> your answer, but they're, they're quarterbacks. Hey, they're quarterbacks. Jason, what do they got in common? That was your answer? Yeah. That, come on now. you got to think is more broad. They're right-handed. They're right-handed. Very good. And I did not plant those two in here to answer that question. Uh, they did come in on their own voluntarily, but I did know their first name, so I called them. So, you know, Andy goes through this thing, and he, and he puts us up there, and, you know, people are answering the same thing. He looks at me. He stops. He looks at us and says, listen, here's what they have in common. That guy, multiple-time Super Bowl champion, and this kid who, let's say that he's probably a fourth or fifth grader, play the exact same game on the exact same size field with nearly identical rules. And he said, stop and think about that for a minute. That a fourth grader is playing the exact same game in the same setup on the same field by the same rules as an NFL All-Pro Super Bowl champion. What's right about that? You know, and I just, I just kept thinking about that. And then, and then we went on, and, and I added this one up there. These two guys playing the same game? Yeah, they're both playing baseball. Okay, and yes, that's Tony Watson down on the bottom, the pride of Dallas Center Grimes, the uh, son of our athletic director who now pitches for the Saint, the San Francisco Giants. But, uh, you know, there's an MLB guy in the corner, and here's a, here's a, uh, 
well, this guy might even be younger than fourth grade. Now, they both play baseball, but how many of you got kids that have gone through Little League? Okay? Do they start at 60 foot, 6 inches, trying to lace it down in there? Absolutely not. They got pitch counts. Okay? We start with T-ball, or bam-bam is what they call it in our place, right? Then we move to T-ball, and then coach pitch, and then you play on a smaller diamond with a 43-foot you know, pitching distance. They both play baseball, but don't we modify the game for this kid? So this is kind of getting back to that why. The why is that, you know, to be honest with you, football was broken. I, in my opinion, football is broken. We're trying to take kids at this size, and we're trying to introduce them to a game on a field that, and with rules that don't fit them. And we don't do it in any other sport, guys. No other sport does it that way. And I don't have the, the video or the audio working on this, but I'm going to show it to you anyway because there's very little, if any, talking in it. It's just at the very end. Okay? But I want you just to kind of watch this and, and look at the message that USA Tennis in this instance is trying to make. Maybe if I get crazy here, I'll try to... Let it run off my speakers. Maybe people in the front will hear it. credit for finding that I this was part of a I part of a committee I sit on that, that showed us this video is kind of trying to make the point it's almost comical when you stop and look at it isn't it you know with in every other sport they don't start them on the full field they don't start them with all of the the same rules they, they modify and as it says there tennis was doing that same thing this is where I always sorry my tech skills are limited sometimes I think one of the first things that we have to do is we have to remember that when kids are playing this game of football, first thing we gotta do is teach them to love the game. I heard that quote, you gotta love the game before you love the sport. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And when you stop and look at the way that our kids go through other youth sports, they really get a chance to fall in love with playing the game because it's introduced to them at the right stage, it's introduced to them the right way, and that's kind of really the first part of what I wanted to share with you guys this morning. I'm gonna show you some examples of that. You wanna know what our why was, our why we are doing this change. Why we are implementing this change is because there's a better way to introduce kids to the game that I think is the best doggone sport in the world. Okay, 200,000 people showed up to watch players get drafted last weekend in Nashville, Tennessee. Tell me what our sport has that kind of thing going on. Okay, and so we have got we have a responsibility as football coaches to take a more active role in our communities when it comes to the youth game. For far too long, we've stood back 
And, and, and I'm one of them. I've stood back and kept my hands off because maybe I didn't know what to do or I was afraid to upset somebody, and I'm not doing that anymore. Because if we, as the football experts in our community, don't start saying something and don't start making that difference, the game that we love, the game that we're here trying to learn, it's going to go away. Or it's going to go away to a point that we don't recognize it anymore. So we have an incredible responsibility, and you have the platform as a football coach in your community to do some of these things and make a difference. So take a look at, and, and, and this kind of summarizes the kind of the point here I'm trying to make early on. You know, youth football, the, 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 old, the systems are old and broken. There's no pathway, there's no age-appropriate skills. The focus is on titles and trophies instead of fundamentals. And guess what, guys? All those other sports on the right, and I'm gonna show you examples out of each one of them, they all have it figured out. And one of the things, and, and I don't know that there's a, if there's a ton of truth to this, but you know, football's not an Olympic sport. All those other sports over there are Olympic sports and have governing bodies. Football doesn't have one of those. So football's been allowed to kind of grow at the grassroots level and, and develop in its own way based on what that community wants. Where, and why that's good in a lot of ways, it also presents challenges because who can come in and legislate or who can come in and say, hey, we need to change it. There's nobody can do that. You know, the Iowa Football Coaches Association, we can't come in and say, you need to do it this way. The Athletic Association can't come in and say, you need to make these changes because it's all local control. So what we have to do is we have to convince people little by little, 10 to maybe 12 people at a time, that we have a responsibility as football coaches to kind of start to enact that change. Probably the best example that I can give you today of a sport that's got it figured out is hockey. And back in February, I had the, the pleasure of sitting in on a, on a meeting in, at USA Football Offices in Indianapolis and listen to the Canadian Hockey Olympic Development Coach. That's a really big title. But this guy talked about how he has worked with USA Hockey to change the way that they introduce hockey to these kids. And you know what they did? They shrunk the, they shrunk the ice, they shrunk the number of players on the field, and came up with one hell of a model. I'm going to show it to you real quick. This is just one example. This is eight and under hockey. And these are just some of So if you're going to coach, okay, if you're going to coach eighth graders playing football in your community, you're going to get one of these from somebody. I hope you do. But you, you may or may not. People in our community don't. We're working on making it. But this is what, if you're going to coach eight and under hockey, this is what they're getting to you, okay? Eight and under hockey, getting more of what's good. So what they did is they shrunk the ice down in hockey. So now instead of playing the full length, I think they play crossways, similar to what some other sports are doing. And look what they've done. Look what they figured out. Look how many more touches on cross ice games versus larger ice. Twice as many touches, twice as many passes, six times more shot attempts on goal. Isn't that what it's about? If I'm a kid and I've never been on skates, probably should never try. Okay? I don't really even understand hockey other than, you know, you get in fights and you put the biscuit in the basket, right? Isn't that what they say? Okay? So, but I know this. If I'm a little kid that wants to play hockey, what do I want to do? I want to take shots on goal, man, because I want to throw my hands in the air and have my teammates mob me. Six times more. Six times more shot attempts on the smaller ice. Because there's smaller ice, there's fewer players, too. And that's something you're going to see a trend going on here. But, you, I mean, you guys can see. And, and this is just one example of how they have broken it down and how the game grows with the kids. So that's hockey. If we continue and take a look at, here's soccer. Does anybody here coach soccer? 
Okay, I'm not a huge soccer guy. I know nothing about the game. I'm a track coach. So track and soccer in the same season. So sometimes I, you know, I'm a little bit more track than soccer. But I'll give soccer this. They got it figured out. What do they do? Well, look, at they have development fields. My God, you drive by the sports complex in Grimes, there's like 700 soccer fields on this sports complex that are of you know, 10 different sizes. Why? Because they've got it figured out. You don't put six and seven-year-olds on this field up here in the left-hand corner. Then it looks like they do in the video. You've got this little midget out there on a full-size field who doesn't feel right, doesn't look right. I mean, you watch the video and it's comical. Soccer's got it figured out. You start, this, these are the, the soccer teams you start with. On the smaller fields, you play lesser. Hey, where's a kid going to get more touches than he's young? Here or here? Again, this isn't, it's just one of those things that I think when you stop and start thinking about it, you're like, well, of course, that makes sense. But why haven't we done it? Why haven't we moved in that direction? Okay, here's baseball. USA Baseball, and again, all these sports have governing bodies that USA Hockey, USA Baseball, USA Basketball. What's football got? Nothing. Nothing. That's why it's got to fall on our shoulders. Look at baseball. And I love the way they put it. Activate, discover, progress, develop, apply, inspire. You don't even see anything in there about it, you know, until you get up in the red about excel and mastery or in competition and those types of things. It's all about learning the game. they got to fall in love playing the game before they fall in love with the sport. And that comes by teaching them the game the right way at the right ages. And you can see here, entry until age 7, 7 to 12, 12 to 14. Here's the one that really blew me away. The practice to competition ratio that baseball suggests. How many of you guys know of a, a group in your community or maybe in your area that's kind of an all-star travel football team that goes and plays a tournament on the weekend and plays Two or three games. Are you kidding me? Two or three games in one weekend? Tell me what, I mean, that flies in the face of everything we've been taught and everything we've been told about player safety and, and, and the increasing the risk for, for head injuries and just increasing the risk for injury, period. Okay? But this, look at this. At the activate, entry to seven, 75% to 25%, practice to competition. Okay? My biggest beef right now in Grimes is our rec department thinks that it's a good idea that we play flag football in kindergarten and first. I can't get him convinced right now to move to what I call a carnival experience. I want the kids to come in and go through stations every week that they, they come in in the fall. Okay, Let's go over to this station. Why? It's more geared towards fun. Kids have fun, they're going to come back. Number two, it's geared more towards skill development. Because you know what the dads do that coach it? Well, we've got to be able to run a play, so we're going to spend 45 minutes of our practice learning how to run a play that some kindergarten kid's going to forget 10 minutes after he leaves the practice field. So why, why bang your head against the wall with that? You know, right here, this is exactly what they're pushing out to baseball coaches, 75 to 25. And it changes as you get older. I get it. Okay? I understand that it's got to adjust with you. But, do you, I mean, do you see why when, when I had that picture of Tom Brady and the other guys put it in front of me, and he says they're playing, it was just like, holy crap, that's right. And then I started looking up and I started looking into these other sports, realizing we're the only ones that do it that way. And it just continued not to make sense. So we kind of have this old school versus new school approach. What, what, why are we doing this? 
because all those reasons I just showed you. I honestly think that as football coaches, we've allowed our sport to fall behind at the youth level because of the way that we've allowed the youth, the youth uh, game to exist. The bottom line is we're better than that, okay? I look around the room and I see some familiar faces, guys that I've seen at clinics, guys that you know, I, I've seen over the years at different places. We as coaches, the people in this building today, the coaches around the state, we are better than this, okay? We can do a better job. Will it require you to get involved a little bit? Yeah, probably. I'm gonna tell you, I've spent an awful lot of my free time working on some of this stuff since we started a year ago. And sometimes I stop and say to myself, holy cow, is this, what are we doing here? And are we, are we doing this the right way? And I'll give you some reasons why I think we are. So the old approach, hey, let's, uh, what was it? Uh, there's, a community in, there's a community in Iowa that I think plays first grade tackle football. First grade. First grade tackle football. Okay, that's their choice. I will respect their choice. I do not agree with it. I do not agree with it. And I will tell you this, from sitting in some of these meetings in Indianapolis, listening to the NCAA Chief Medical Officer Brian Harline talk, I think we're getting to a point where within the next four to five years, you may see some of the bigger organizations in this country come out and say, tackle shouldn't begin before a certain age. And I will tell you, within that room sat NFL uh, player executive, uh, 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 gosh, what was his name? Guy who used to play for the Eagles, D-back from Wisconsin. Someone help me. Do I say Bennett? Is that it? Nah. Anyway, we had medical people, NFL people, college people. They're, people are nervous. Nervous about when that comes out, what, what kind of impact that's going to have on the game. But I think that's the direction we're going, and I don't think it's a bad thing. So what's the new approach? What did we approach and how we've done this in our four communities? Smaller fields. We've introduced modified games. That's one thing if you leave here with anything today, I want you to leave here taking into consideration that you need to go home and say, we need to play some sort of modified football game, okay? We put more emphasis on skill development. We don't play tackle now until fifth grade. No tackle means no weight limits. No weight limits means a big kid gets to play quarterback. Everybody wants to play quarterback, right? Okay, and who's to say that big kid in fourth grade may not be your quarterback coming up? He's stuck playing offensive line. Talked to one of the kids on my son's baseball team, his dad. And I said, hey, did Brody play baseball or football last year? Yep, what did he play, wide receiver? How'd he like it? I don't know, he said it was okay. He ran out here and did this and took off on the ball and had one pass thrown to him the entire year. Is that kid having fun? I don't know, Brody's a big kid. Brody's a big kid, guarantee he'd be stuck on the offensive line the next year because of that weight limit. But because we're playing flag, he can still play anywhere. So again, I'll get to some of that. So I gotta give a lot of credit to some of the gentlemen on this, on this sheet because as we start talking a little bit about what our pathway was to, to get to where we are, Garrison and ADM, Brian Woodley at Johnston, and Paul Patterson at Norwalk, those guys down below, Scott, Clint, Tyler, and Jay, are the board presidents of our communities. I keep uh, every time I send them an email, I always finish up with, "Thank you for your courage. Thank you for being brave to try this because we completely 100% struck out on our own and developed something brand new." Okay, we sat down with the West Des Moines group that we were playing tackle football with and said, "We think maybe we 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 can do a better job. Maybe offer some better things." And they said, "Well, why are you guys, why are you asking us this?" I asked them two questions. I asked the head coaches in the room, what's the number one thing that you want out of your youth football programs? And to every man went in and said, I need retention. I need kids to have a good experience so they stay out. Every one of them talked about that. And I asked each board president, what has the youth football numbers done the last five years? Every one of them said they've gone down. Okay, so we've got coaches that need, that need and want retention. And I'm guessing you in the room are the same way. Okay, I tell our guys locally that you're more important than I am. 
Because if you don't have the, make sure these kids have a good experience, I never even get them. And they're walking the halls, and I'm going, why the hell aren't you playing football? Okay? So numbers were declining. Flag football numbers were on the rise. Okay? So people were looking for different options. We identified that, and we reached out to a, a lot of people. We came to the first meeting, and we talked. I asked them to come back to the second meeting if they wanted to hear a proposal. So these four plus one other school did. I said, come back to the third meeting if you're willing to dive into this thing and make a go of it. And I'm going to tell you, it means we're, going to, we're pulling out of that league and we're starting our own. And that third meeting, these were the groups that came in. And I couldn't ask for better men to work with. Their head coaches are active in their communities. They've taken an active role in this. And the board presidents have, have been awesome to look at, too. So again, getting back to, again, some of these reasons why. We saw a decrease in participation. We saw a ton of emphasis being placed on um, plays, a ton of emphasis being put on things that were not fundamentally sound. Um, we honestly felt that we had a better plan or we could offer a better proposal for the game. And the bottom line is that, again, we had concern as head coaches about the fundamentals not being taught. We had a concern about participation numbers. And the four of us were willing to get very much hands-on to make some of this happen. So I kind of talked about that one already, and I'll come back to some of that stuff here in a second. So here's what we did, or here's what we do. Here's what we do. And, and, and I don't think this is anything where we sat down and went like, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to change the game by reinventing the wheel. We're absolutely not. All, all we sat down and said is, what are the different things that are out there being offered? And then we went back to all those examples I started with today. We looked at hockey. We looked at baseball. We looked at basketball. And we looked at some of these other sports and said, what does a pathway in football look like? Okay, it can't be going from flag football to 11 on 11 tackle. So the biggest difference for us and the biggest way that we're trying to impact the game locally is we're trying to give kids and give parents a more detailed progression of how their son is going to be introduced and learned to the game of football. So we decided to pick it up in third grade. Each of our communities did something different in K-1-2. Ours runs through the rec department. Garrison is hands-on with his through the ADM Youth Football. Uh, there was a separate group that did it in some of the other communities. And so we all decided that, you know, K-1-2, you, you do what you want locally. And, and like I told you, I'm still working on that with ours. But in third grade, we're going to play flag football. Now, in all of our communities up until this time, they played tackle football in third grade for a lot of years. So the reason we went to third grade flag football is first we thought it was a better game. It was a more age appropriate, and it was a, it could be a more exciting game. So we talked about how flag football, eight players. We were going to introduce, and my son had just got done in third grade. Okay, he's a pretty active little guy. He's got he's got a cast on his arm at home right now. You know, he's like any other kid running around doing things he shouldn't. But I also understand, and this is what a lot of parents said: Well, flag football gets so rough, and they're almost tackling. So we're just going to go ahead and put them in pads because it's safer. Well, okay. Maybe, but how about we just coach the game better? How about we get coaches that get on board and say, we're not going to allow that type of behavior? How about we get officials that are going to throw the flag? So there's a lot of other things we can do to clean the game up rather than just say, hey, let's put them in full pads and let them start tackling. So we put the soft helmet on them. I call it the old school leather looking helmet. We found a company that was out of uh, either Ohio or Texas that would rent, rent them to us for the season. So we call down, we tell them how many they need, they send them to us, we send them back at the end of the year, costs, costs uh, it's like 20, 20 or 25 bucks a kit. I didn't think that was too bad. 
So now I can look at mom and dad and say, you know what, your third grader, you're running around playing pretty hard. Now, please don't misunderstand this. This isn't to prevent concussions because that, nothing can do that. You all know that, right? You can't stand in front of your parents and say, hey, this helmet protects good good there. They're selling you. I got you know, I got, what do they say? I got a, a bridge to sell you somewhere if you're buying that line. But what we can do is this, is that we're adding a layer of safety. Okay? As I talk to our trainer and I talk to other people, number one problem they have in flight football are cuts. Kids just hitting each other, banging heads, splitting themselves open. We're just adding a layer of safety here. Okay? So what do we do in this third grade game? Well, you know what? We block. You bet. We come off ball. We play eight-man football. Okay? Any eight-man guys in here? No? couple okay we play eight-man football had dad say to me well oh, we don't play eight-man football in high school I said no but you know what we crown champion every year so don't tell me it's not football because it is so we play eight-man football three linemen offensive backs receivers quarterbacks when the ball snapped we come off and we block we call it open hand okay stock blocking you know your wide receivers but we get after it we get after it can't tackle but we get after it receivers can block linemen can block that was something that we thought was an appropriate progression in third grade you can teach those kids how to block, teach them how to get into three-point stance, teach them how to come out, teach them how to get their hands inside. You know, get in on the get in on their breastplates when you're gonna block them. Let's not, you know, teach them the difference between this is holding out here, right? This is holding, this is we're gonna block. And then you'll see how it progresses. So we're gonna do that. Um, soft helmet there. We're gonna really focus a ton on passing and catching and blocking. And then we're gonna teach, we're gonna teach tackling in third grade. Okay? That's one of the things that we have. We sat down and said, 90-minute practices, two times a week in third grade, no more. Every community agreed to that. So no one's out there practicing three, four times a week. 90 minutes, two times a week. And 30 of those 90 minutes have to be on blocking and tackling fundamentals. So at Dow Center Grimes, our kids are all starting in the line, whistle blows, they run to the other end, they break down over the half round, and they freeze right in here in a good athletic football position. Why? Because that's the position they're going to learn how to tackle in fifth grade. And we're starting to teach it to them now. So now I can go back to that parent and say, you know what? We're going to have to let your son work up for two years on these blocking and tackling fundamentals. So when it's time, they're going to have confidence and they're going to do it really, really well. Okay? We put and we and we take a lot of our stuff from the you know, all these youth coaches have to be USA football trained. So I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'm going to go to where they've been trained and take some of those drills and bring them into our practice. So we have the next one, the next station they go to. They start here. Coach's got a half round in front. Said, hut, boom, he's shooting his hands and catching that half round and running it five yards, working on getting their chest up, getting their head up. All those good, solid fundamentals. They're working on it in third grade, working on it in fourth grade. So when fifth grade comes and it's time to do it, they're ready to do it. I always tell people this. If I had two years to take algebra before I took a test, I might have passed that class a lot easier. Okay? It's, it's like anything. The more you practice it, the better you are. Okay? We do a box drill. We track near hip. We run in. We track that near hip, and instead of tackling, we get in a good position, and we shoot the hands to pull the flags. So again, it's all going to translate at some point in time, but we're introducing it to them at certain stages the right way. Here's the level that I am the most excited about. This, of all the things we did, got the most excitement from parents. We fully padded them up in fourth grade and played the exact same game they played in third grade. Didn't change the rules. Didn't change the game. Still eight-on-eight eight football, and they were wearing full pads. Because I'm telling you, and again, my son was a fourth grader, so I talked a lot to him, asked him a lot about it, and I said, how did it go? He goes, geez, Dad, it's really weird. It's a lot different catching that football with a helmet on. Yeah, okay? And my pads, I can't reach as high. Okay, so here's the progression in fourth grade. 
get used to wearing the gear without the fear and without the worry of having to get trucked by some guy in a tackling drill or in the middle of the game. Now, did it happen sometimes? Yeah, two kids were running, not looking. Boom, they hit each other. But you know what? They were protected. They didn't get hurt. It, you know, knocked the cobwebs a little loose on each of them. But, you know, that's part of it. They learned in that situation. They come in and pull the flags. They bounce off each other a little bit. What they're learning is they're learning the contact that comes with the game in a way that's going to introduce it to them where they, again, there's no fear of being tackled, but they understand that there's going to be contact. Everything else same. Same game, same rules. We still, same blocking, okay? We're still coming out, open-hand blocking with the receivers, and it's no different on the offensive line now, okay? We're, you know, we just told them, you know, no flippers and no shoulders yet. We're just going to come out and still be real aggressive up front. You know, we're still working on blocking and tackling. Uh, we're progressing the drills that we started in third grade. They're doing them again. Now they're doing them with their gear on, learning to carry that gear. This level right here was probably the most exciting level to watch because fourth graders can play, man. Okay, fourth graders can play. I, my son's first game, and here's the thing that I loved about this game. How many of you in here put, put value on throwing the football in your offense at home? Okay, you know, it, first, first games I went to, youth football games, double tight, all the guys in the backfield, and we turn, and we pitch it to this kid who's faster than everybody else, and whoop, there he goes around the edge, because the field's big, nobody can catch him, and he's off to the races. Thank you. you know, that, that's awesome. One kid had fun today. One kid got to run the ball. Putting put the corners 30 yards outside, then to prevent that one. Your only job is to yes. stop the sweep. Yes, know? exactly but, right. Great, great job teaching your DBs. So one of the things that, that, that I've left out so far is we play the game 40 on a uh, 40 by 40 field. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade play on a 40 by 40 field. So we start at the 40 yard line and we go in. Okay? And we play from the, from the sideline to the far hash. That's a 40 by 40 field. So we shrink the field during third, fourth, and fifth grade. And you know what we found out? The ball was in the air all the time. It was, it was a fun game to watch. First play of the year in my, my son's team, the coach, you know, he, and, and I knew him, he winks at me, he goes, watch this. They, you know, they're shotgun the whole time. Kid takes the ball, shuffles back a little bit, and just, I mean, as far as he can heave it. And I buy a guy, he hits a kid right in stride, touchdown, first play. Kids are going nuts, okay? But the thing that I loved as a coach is we de-emphasized a little bit of just pitch, you know, student body right, student body left. You know, I went to practice, and they're working on ball-catching skills. They're working on other types of things in the offense. They're running jet sweeps. And, you know, I mean, we've got four communities that offensively and defensively are, are very different. But here's the other thing that we did dictate in third, fourth, and fifth grades. You are only allowed to run league-approved formations, and you must line up in the league-designated spot on defense every time. Okay? Because nobody wants to come to the game and see the 44-year-old dad outthink and out and, and, and trick the eight-year-old kid on a double reverse pass. <laughs> you know, we sat down and said, how can we eliminate that part of it? And we took this from a, a good friend of mine up in Northwest Iowa, Brian Wilkin at Newell Fonda. He said, Coach, here's what we do. You're allowed to run three formations at this grade, and you have to line up in the same spot every time. And it was just like, my goodness, why did we not think of that? And you know what? It was not met with much resistance. You know why? Because the coaches took it out of their hands. Okay? We gave them in third and fourth grade, they could go you know, a two-by-two two formation. They could go two-by-one. Um, and then we, we allowed them, we said no tight ends, no wing backs, no H backs, that kind of stuff till fifth grade. 
And we just kept it simple. And you know on defense, I have to line up over this this guy, you know. We, we, we play you know, man-to-man defense everywhere. My guy goes in motion, I have to chase him. I mean, we took all that out of the hands of coaches so there's no, no trickery or that kind of stuff going on. Fifth grade was the other one that got a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendously good feedback on. And I got to get going here to finish up. But we play, it's a version of USA football's rookie tackle. Again, eight-man football on a 40-by-40 field, fully, full tackle. Now, in this, at this level, we allow them to have a tight end if they want it. Um, that's one change they get in fifth grade. They're allowed to make the tight end a tight end or, a, or like a wing back. Some teams were more comfortable with the wing back. But now we're playing football, okay? But it's on that smaller field. Um, it's uh, the same game they played for three years. So, again, I'm not having to learn how to maybe run new plays. You can run the same plays three years in a row if you want. But we feel like what we have here is a, a better pathway and a better progression to introduce the game to the kids in a way that fits their skill level and fits their age. So you're eight, eight on eight, you're eight player, third, fourth, and fifth, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. First time a kid in our four communities plays 11 on 11 tackle on a full-size field is sixth grade. And I'll be honest with you, I had to compromise on that. I was, I was determined that it wasn't going to happen until seventh grade. But here's why I compromised with it, because I thought it made sense. And I don't, you know, we'll, we'll have 40 to 50 kids come out for football this fall in seventh grade at Dallas Center Grimes. We're very, very fortunate. I got three coaches, okay? That's a lot of kids and three coaches. In sixth grade, you can still have the, you know, smaller team. They can have five, six dads out there helping out. They convinced me that there are some things they could teach in sixth grade that might make seventh grade go a little smoother if they were allowed to play, play at that part. So I said, okay, we'll try it. Had I had my way, we would have played rookie. We would have played padded flag through fifth grade. We would have played modified in sixth, and then tackle in seventh. But you know, sometimes you got compromised. The the bigger vision and the bigger goal of getting this in place was more important, and uh, you know, so we, we made a compromise on that. But this is a fun game to watch too. Very high scoring. Okay, that was the other thing that stood out right away is how many touchdowns and points were being scored in some of these games. So let me just finish up real quick, and I'd be happy to answer questions. Sixth grade, we do 11 on 11, regular size field, first time that they're going to be out there doing the quote-unquote real game. Uh, we use NF- NFHS rules. We play it no different than you would a seventh grade football game in our community. Now, can you do this at a school that plays eight-man football? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you could definitely modify or, or, or do it in some way, shape, or form. So where do I think we, we did a good job of trying to improve the game? First of all, safety, um, the smaller fields. We have limited formations in defense. Line up and play, okay? Mandatory time in each practice, 30 minutes on blocking and tackling, 90-minute max. Um, this is the best one, too. We stole this from Cedar Rapids. 30 seconds between players, a five-yard penalty. Nobody came to watch you stand in the huddle and explain plays to kids, okay? Again, stressing to the coach that, you know, less is more. Learn how to do it fundamentally, learn how to execute. 30 seconds, man, ball set, whistle blows. You got 30 seconds, go run and play. Either figure out how to do it quick, but I don't come to the games to watch my kids stand on the huddle. We want to get plays run. Third and fourth, fifth grade play the same game, and it's very much an offensive-minded game. We'll make no, we'll make no, no bones about it. Our rules favor the offense, okay? Because that's you know that's fun when you're younger, and, and so you know my defensive coordinator standing here in the back shaking his head. He's going, "What, coach? You're killing me here." But. You know, there some of those rules in there about, you know, dictating where they can and can't do. And, you know, we don't have blitz in. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. But it's an offensive game, and it's been a lot of fun. 
I'll leave you with this, and then I'll answer a few questions here, if anybody has them. Um, again, I, ch I asked you early on. You have an opportunity, and we have a responsibility as coaches to protect the game. And what are you doing in your community to protect the game at the youth level? And I think each of you in this room, whether you're a head coach or an assistant coach, you have a certain platform in your community, whether you know it or not. People look at you and they see you as a football coach. And they, you know, they think, they think and, they, and they believe that you have a little better insight than a lot of people do toward the game. Okay? Take that platform that you have, take full advantage of that opportunity, and impact the game in a way that will last far beyond when you're coaching football. Okay? And if you know people in your community that you think would be on board with you in this, sit down with them, talk. It never hurts to talk. Okay? It never hurts to talk. We had two or three communities that didn't come back to our third and final meeting. That's okay. Because you know what happened this year? They reached out to us and said, how'd it go? And we were able to talk to them about it. We were able to tell them about it. Yep. And so we've started that conversation. Get a clear path. Remember, you know, get, get very focused as, you, as far as what, why you're doing this. And just keep that last one in mind. Anytime you make a decision with kids and you keep the kid's best interest in mind and do what's best for the kid first, you're never going to go wrong. Fellas, I, I appreciate the, the, your time and, and the attention you've given, given me today. And a lot of things you could have gone to. Coming in and listening to somebody ramble on about youth football and tackle programs is, is something that uh, probably wasn't high on everybody's priority list, but I, I do appreciate it. And uh, I would be happy to answer any questions you have now. Uh, Garrison just gave me the two, three minute warning. So we've got a little bit of time for a couple questions or if you want to see me after. I didn't, I forgot to put my contact information on here, but um, I can give that to anybody that would like it either. So has anybody got any quick questions about what, you know, what we had to overcome or maybe some resistance? Did we have the dad that tried to sneak his third grader in fourth grade or fourth grader in fifth grade? Yes. Okay. We caught it. Told him that if he doesn't want to play, he can go play somewhere else. Okay. So we, we fought some of that, and we just said that you know we we believe this is what's best. Uh, money. You're anything like it. We're from Southern Iowa, and money is probably not the greatest. Yeah. Iowa. What uh, what kind of money are we talking for? Like, do they pay for the soft helmets? That's part of their part of their registration fee. Okay. Part of the registration fee covers the soft helmet for them in third grade. Um, I'm trying to think. I think that uh, each community had a little different fee for seventh grade or for third grade. Um, we were in a different pickle. So here was one of the biggest obstacles. We got all of our equipment for the tackle games through the West Des Moines League. So by pulling out, we had to leave all that equipment behind. So we had to figure out how we're going to pay for, how we're going to buy all this equipment for the kids. Okay. So in third grade, it was a reduced fee. It was less because they basically got the soft helmet, and then we gave them a jersey so that we, you know, had our team look. Mm -hmm. um, but in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, it was $250 a play, and that covered um, insurance on your kid. That covered the equipment rental for your kid. It recovered the uh, ability to, to pay licensed high school athlete, uh, officials to referee and any rental, facility, rental fees that we had for the stuff. And we were pretty upfront with our people that these first three to four years, to get it off the ground and going, that's the part of it that was a real challenge. The scheduling, the facilities, the officials, getting everybody to understand the rules. Those are things that we never really worried about before because it was always there for us. But um, we just included the soft helmet thing as part of the... And, that, and that's yearly. That's every yes. Every fifth and sixth yearly, you know you're going to roll out that kind of cash. For right. And, and the feedback that we got, and again, being in, in, that, in, in the area that we're in, the feedback we got was this is the cheapest kid sport we play. 
And so we were able to get away with that. So what are some of those, you know, those would be some of your financial hurdles that you'd have to figure out, you know, and, and you guys know, you know, you could try sponsorships. Um, I know that we've talked a lot with YSF trying to get them on board to the modified game so maybe they can come in and help because I know they provide a lot of equipment to different people throughout the state. You know, trying to get some of the larger groups that impact even more than just the four of us to, so that it's not a financial thing that keeps people from doing it. But, um, you know, that, that's probably the biggest piece is if you leave your league and you don't have equipment, how are you going to pay for all that? Because the one thing we didn't want people to do is have to buy it and, like, be responsible for it. So it's something we keep, we house, we found a way to put it, put it somewhere. So I, I, don't know, I don't know how good of an answer that was for you there, but you know I can if you uh, if you want to email me I can tell you where we rented those helmets at and the soft helmets and, and get that information to you. Anybody else, real quick? All right, guys. If, if there's anything else you need, come on up and see me real quick, or we can step outside and talk. But thank you for your time and uh, good luck to everybody this morning. Hey, Scott, your email. I got two emails from you. Yeah. Okay.